Monty Judah is our guest speaker next week. Um, I have heard the topic he is uh, he is putting together to speak for next week, and I am personally excited. Um, I think it's very timely uh, for what's going on inside the Messianic movement, Hebrew Roots movement. Um, Spring Feast, almost here. Perm is, uh, I believe, the 24th of February, and so Passover is coming up, Pesach, uh, Unleavened Bread. You know, a lot of times we, we overlook the counting of the Omer. Not here at HFF. We're counting the Omer before it even comes. So Shavuot gathering at NCED Hotel uh, down on the south side of Norman. Uh, Going to be a fantastic weekend. Uh, a lot of great speakers. Uh, a lot of great worship leaders. Melody Joy, who's been here a couple times, is going to be leading worship. Rod Woodruff is going to be there leading worship. I'll be doing worship. Um, and then most importantly, it's just a great time of fellowship during the feast. And uh, for, for those of you who, uh, who come to HFF know that we, uh, well, fam fellowship is part of that and family. So we put a heavy emphasis on fellowship. And so we will not be having a regular uh, service here on that Shabbat. We'll be gathering with Lion and Lamb Ministries at the hotel. So lots of great things. Young adult youth classes. Chris Knight's going to handle that. They got a full gymnasium, a full pool. They got everything. So um, the food is fantastic. It's a great weekend. So um, ShavuotEvent.com. Um, I think the tickets go up uh, like 30 days before or something like that. Uh, anybody who knows me knows I'm a planner. So uh, we try to encourage people to register quicker uh, rather than later. Um, Ryan White will be here March 10th. we got a lot of guest speakers coming in over the next couple of months. Um, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. I know, again, you know, we're talking now Fall Feast, and we haven't even made it into the Spring Feast. But March 1st, the registration for Belcal Lakes, Chandler, Lion and Lamb Ministries, Feast of Tabernacles opens up. A lot of changes have been made this year for that. Uh, the young adult and youth price is less this year. Uh, the children's price is less this year. Uh, as well as a lot of really cool things that we're making tweaks to inside the camp. And so um, come join with about a thousand other people uh, for the Feast of Tabernacles. It's going to be a great time. Uh, something for everybody in the family. Um, I heard a rumor that Mike and Melissa Ophel might be doing a brand new thing inside the camp this year that they semi said yes to, but I didn't give him any details. And that's why he's looking at me weird over in the back corner. Um, outreach opportunities. For those of you who have been following us on our Facebook uh, page, for those of you who like to tweet out to us, hashtag HFF, um, we have a couple opportunities this week. Uh, Food and Shelter, which is a, a community that we help down in Norman uh, for um, people who need housing, temporary or long term. Uh, they are in need of milks, milk, eggs, and juice. And they said this is pretty much an ongoing, all the time need. Um, and so we've been in communication with them. But this week, if you're looking for somebody to also help, and food and shelter can take it any time between 9 and 5 uh, throughout the week. Um, whether it's one pack of eggs or you go to Sam's and you buy, buy the boxes and you carry in enough eggs for, for everybody for days. Um, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Uh, also, there is some children's needs for hats, gloves, scarves, Obviously, 20 degrees out there today. We're not out of it yet. Uh, the groundhog did see his shadow, so he is going to uh, keep us in winter for a little bit longer. So if you have, if you're cleaning out your closet, um, or if you're at the store and you see, you know, a lot of them are doing clothes out now on the, on the ski caps and stuff like that. Just pick one up, pick a couple up, and uh, you can bring it in, get it to the leadership or Stephen Alicia, and we'll be able to help uh, people, young adults and children in the Norman area who uh, don't have it right now. And it's obviously cold. Uh, the ladies' prayer meeting uh, was 
is already over, so I'm actually supposed to be talking about the ladies uh, tea gathering, which is February 18th uh, at the Diffie household. Uh, there are little flyers out on the welcome bar for that. That is not a children's gathering, though, so dads, you're going to be watching the kids that uh, Shabbat, um, or excuse me, that Sunday, and that's for the young adults and for the, uh, for the older ladies uh, only. Uh, men's prayer breakfast is tomorrow. Um, so uh, any of the guys in the community who want to wake up, come together, eat some... Uh, so what are we having tomorrow, Joe? Bacon, eggs? Oh, we're doing something different. Okay, this, this is scary. Messianics don't like different. Oh, okay, what are, we, what are we doing tomorrow? Chicken fry... Oh... Country boy can't survive. Chicken fried chicken tomorrow morning at uh, the Benai Shalom Studios over on Industrial Boulevard. Uh, 9.30, Joe? 9. 9. See, I was on FM Standard Time still. So 9 o'clock. Um, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. If you guys want to help make it, uh, you can also be there a little bit earlier. The guys are there uh, 7 a.m., I think, uh, cooking. So chicken fried chicken tomorrow. Um, prayer request cards are on the uh, welcome bar out there. If you have a need, something you'd like for us to lift up, please fill it out. You can do so anonymously, um, but please fill it out. Let us pray for you throughout the week. We also have an HFF closed uh, Facebook group where we can notify people in real time of needs, prayer requests, things like that inside the community. Um, and so if you have a need, if you have something that you would like for us to pray over, please uh, fill it out. You can either put it in the push gear or you can put it in the box out there. Let us pray for you throughout the week. It ultimately brings us closer, uh, and uh, you know, Abba knows what you need, but this way we can all join you in petitioning him for the healing or the financial breakthrough or whatever it is that, that you've got going on in your life at this point in time. Um, I think that's it. Uh, the donation cards are on the chairs. For those of you who have been doing reoccurring donations and haven't seen it come out, the website is almost done. We're really hoping to have the website done this week, um, if at all possible. But you can fill out your cards for reoccurring donations if it hasn't come out in the last month. Put it in the pushka, and then when we switch over to the new um, company who's going to do all that for us, uh, we'll have that. Otherwise, once the website is up, you'll be able to go on there and adjust that as well. So we apologize for the delay, but uh, we are working on it, and it is going to be super cool when it's done. So at this point in time, let's go ahead. Let's stand up. I know I got you all seated, seated and all comfy. Let's say Shabbat Shalom to your neighbor, and let's get ready to uh, praise the Father this morning.
Your heart is kind for all your 
Mercy, sweet.
for your Shabbat, gracious God, that we can meet together in this place, see old friends, make new friends, rejoice in you and be glad. And for those of us who are not in a place of joy, we ask that your presence be with us, that you be with us in the wilderness. Shabbat Shalom. Let's, uh, let's spend a few minutes in prayer and get ready for the rest of the service. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, this Shabbat to come and to rest in you. And we pray that uh, your spirit would enable us to do that this morning, that you would uh, help us to set aside the cares of the world, and that we would uh, 100% give ourselves to you this morning to hearing what it is that you have to say to us so we come with expectant hearts and we thank you for this opportunity to come to not only worship and to praise you and give you the honor that you're due but also to come and listen to what you have to say to us we lift up those to this morning who are uh, sick pray for them and ask that you would comfort them, that you would put your hand of healing upon them. I'll continue to pray for Rosemarie as uh, she continues to heal from her surgeries on her foot and her neck. We thank you for the praise report from Patrick that uh, the treatment for uh, was, uh, seems to have been successful. Pray for Patrice as she's here this morning and for the pain that she has in her knee and ask that you would continue to work out her situation so that she can have the surgery she needs. Father, I know there's other needs and uh, we just lift them up to you and thank you that you answer prayer and that you will uh, as a great physician uh, do what's necessary in each of these lives. So we commit this time to you and we uh, praise you in the name of Yeshua. you guys but uh, I thought I heard Carlos say that the report from the doctor is that Patrick no longer has cancer is that true is that true so it's going in the right direction hallelujah can I bow a hand of praise for the Lord on that one that's awesome man hallelujah for that 
We're going to invite Chris Knight, our youngest child of the, uh, of the group up here. And we're going to go ahead and invite all of our kids up as well. And we're going to go ahead and um, bless the kids on the Shabbat before Dr. Deb comes and uh, shares a message. It always blows my mind how many kids we have at HFF. We are blessed. Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we bless your name and we thank you for these amazing children and youth that you have blessed us with and placed in our lives. God, we ask that as we uh, raise them as parents, as friends, as a community, that you would be the one who guides our every step and how we should give them your wisdom and your truth. Father, we ask that you would protect their every move, that you would not allow the adversary to come in and, and damage and hurt and take your children. Father, but that you would bless them, that you would prosper them, that you would guide them and lead them in your truth. Father, that you would nurture them, that they would grow to want to love and have compassion and and want to be a light in the world around them. That as they make friends, as they venture off into careers later on, Father, they would be lights, that they would carry your your face and your, your truth and your character with them in every place they went. And God, as we have the responsibility of setting an example, we ask that we would constantly be aware of the weight of that responsibility that you've placed on us, that we would lead them first with our actions and then with how we teach them. Father, we just ask that you would help us with that amazing task. And so we bless all these children in Yeshua's name. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. All right, well, we are honored and incredibly blessed today. Uh, I have the incredible honor to uh, invite our guest speaker up. She is affectionately known to me as Gospel Grams, um, but you will probably know her as Dr. Deb Wiley. Uh, She is my grandmother and probably the most... um, influential hero of my life personally and um, just has an amazing heart and wisdom and passion but more importantly her actions and what she does for the kingdom has blessed so many lives and been an example to so many and so I'm really excited to have her here obviously she's my grandma Um, but we are blessed today at HFF to have her so if you guys would welcome with me my grandmother Dr. Deb Wiley. 
concerned about. Okay. So it is truly an honor and a privilege to be here. And um, I consider this like a sister congregation to us. Every time we're doing something in California, I find out, hey, hey HFF is doing that too. And it's like, oh, that is so awesome. I've heard you guys have started uh, the homeless ministry and you go and feed the homeless and, and do mission outreaches and all of that kind of good stuff. And I probably need to lower that because I'm not that tall. Okay. Now you know where Chris gets his uh, height challenge from. <laughs> But I, always, I used to tell Chris when he was little, he used to worry, you know, I'm, Grandma, he goes, I'm just not growing. My brothers, everybody's passing me up. And I'm, God already knew he was going to put you on a stage. You didn't need to be that tall. So, you know, it all works. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm a, actually a doctor of psychology. And so here's a little precursor warning to that. In the word psychologist is also the word psycho. So you can derive from that what you will. But um, I actually was a teenage runaway. At 14 years of age, I ran away from home and actually lived on the streets. I ran all the way to Miami. At least I knew to go warm. And uh, I have my heart's desire all my life has been to help young people. And so I normally teach uh, and, and uh, give therapy to at-risk youth and their families hope, in the hopes that they won't make some of the same foolish mistakes that I made as a teenager. And so that's kind of who I am and what I do besides having a fellowship. And in the fellowship, <clears throat> we are encouraged to always take part in what God's doing. And I think it's so important for us as believers to ask ourselves, and this is what I want to talk about today, what's our part? What's our part? You know, from the Garden of Eden, God has always wanted to partner with us. Remember, he had Adam name the animals. He didn't name them. He didn't set Adam down and say, now there's a giraffe, and there's an elephant, and there's a this, and there's a that. No, he wanted him to name them. He wants us to be his hands and feet and his mouth to speak on the earth. Now, you're probably going to notice that I, I move around a lot. Two reasons. One of them is I came from a charismatic background, and we don't know how to stand still. And the second one is, it's a lot harder to hit a moving target. So I will be moving around quite a bit, because I know people with the Hebraic understanding don't throw tomatoes, they throw shoes, so which can hurt. So I'm just, you know, letting you know. Poor camera guy back there is going, well, she's, please stand still. I want to talk to you first about atmosphere. And I'm not a meteorologist, but atmosphere is so important, not just to us, but to the Father. Atmosphere is so important to our Redeemer. 
that he encouraged us every day to create the right atmosphere. Why is that? Because signs, wonders, and miracles happen when the atmosphere is right. Now, the good news about that is we all get to play a part. When we come in, and, and trust me on this, I'm from California, I've uh, been to Disneyland many times. Disneyland should not be the happiest place on earth. The happiest place on earth should be in fellowships like this. We should come in with joy and, and excitement and expectation of what is he going to do today? What is he going to do today? Because all things are possible through him to those who believe. Our problem is, in this movement and a lot of uh, congregations in the body of Messiah everywhere, is our believers broken. Our believers, somewhere along the line, has gotten damaged. Whether it's through we said a prayer and it didn't come to pass, whether it's through disappointment, whatever it is, we need to move back into belief, trust, faith. And I want to share with you, I'm going to start with the scripture, and you're going to see I use a lot of scripture. Joel 2, 28 and 29, if you have your Bibles and you want to read along. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay, so now that begs the question, what are those days? Well, it says in verse 28, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Chris is my Hebrew expert. I always go to him. I didn't ask him about this, but I'm pretty sure before in Hebrew, if you look it up in the Paleo-Hebrew and in the, in the Divine's Dictionary, any place you want to look, Strong's Concordance, before will always mean before. Right? Okay. Just like forever always means forever. And I had a great rabbi teach me that. Dr. Rabbi Schnitzel taught me that forever is forever. And if you quit doing it, it's probably not, you're probably not done yet. Well, before is before. And if this hasn't happened yet, we're probably not going to enter into the tribulation till we see this happen. But can we be the ones that are holding it up? My answer to that is yes, I believe we can. And I will tell you why I'm saying this. We are made in the image of a creator. Right? Everybody can agree with that. What if being made in his image means that we are creators? How, how could that be? We were made to create. If you're not creating something, I submit to you that you're probably bored out of your mind. If you're not doing something fruitful, you're probably bored out of your minds. 
because we were designed for fulfillment in creating things, making things happen, seeing progress, seeing people's lives changed. I think one of the reasons there's so much infighting in the general body of Messiah everywhere is because we have turned on each other because we're not taking it to the streets. We're not creating an atmosphere for signs and wonders and miracles. I'm going to read from Wikipedia, which we all know is the go-to for absolute truth. Um, but atmosphere, according to Wikipedia, is the envelope of gases surrounding the earth. I would submit to you that sometimes we create an atmosphere of gases that surround us. And they're either good gases or they're bad gases. Right? They either draw people to you or they repel people away from you. Also, atmosphere means the prevailing tone or mood of a place, a situation. What is the prevailing mood when we come to gather together as God's people? Now, I know that you all have experienced this, so I'm going to prove it to you, okay? I'm going to prove that you're a creator of atmospheres. How many of you have ever walked into a room and immediately, you haven't heard one single thing that went on in that room, but you feel like the atmosphere is heavy. You know, that term, that it was so tense you could cut the tension with a knife. That's a real tangible atmosphere. Right? How did it happen? By people creating it. By words they were speaking, thoughts they were thinking, things they were doing. In that room, unbeknownst to you, you walk in and you're like, what is going on here? What's wrong? Because it's tangible. And I use that as an example because if there's an, an atmosphere that we can tangibly feel that we create for the negative, is there not atmospheres that can be created for the positive? And I believe that we hinder the move of the Spirit of God by creating a negative atmosphere for miracles to take place. I'm... I am convinced of this. There is an atmosphere that is conducive to miracles and signs and wonders happening. And I'm going to prove this scripturally. I like to go to the scriptures because anybody can offer opinions, right? I don't want opinions. I want to prove scripturally some of these thoughts I'm sharing with you. Opinions are kind of like armpits. Everybody has them and some of them stink. So I don't want to give you opinions. I want to give you something that you can sink your teeth into. So let's go see what Yeshua said. In Matthew 13, 57 and 58, it records that they were offended at him in his own community. 
But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And it goes on to say in verse 58, look it up, Matthew 13, 58. Now he, the Messiah, the king of the universe, the one who, who, who with nothing is impossible, could not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of what? Their unbelief. So they had created a negatively charged atmosphere where it was impossible for miracles to happen. What if we're doing that in congregations all across the world right now? What if we're creating this negative environment and everything is about, well, prove it to me, show it to me. How does that play out in Hebrew? How does it play out in Greek? I want that translation of miracle. Right? I don't know about you, but I have experienced a miracle. I'll, I'll never forget it. It was one time in, in my congregation before we flipped to the Hebraic understanding. We were having this amazing worship. We were all raising our hands and dancing. We did the Tulsa two-step, not the flag stuff. And so... That's what we used to call it. <laughs> I don't know if you guys did or not. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, we were doing all that, and I had broken my toe like the week before. I think it was even less than a week. I'd gone to the orthopedic surgeon, got an x-ray, and I know this isn't one of these miracles where somebody grows an eyeball or something. But to me, it was important. Because I couldn't dance, I couldn't praise, I couldn't jump up and down, I couldn't get, a, you know, if I, any movement I made, my toe hurt so bad, pains would shoot all the way up my leg into my hip. And so I'm standing there and just worshiping, just worshiping. And suddenly I noticed, hey, my toe's not hurting anymore. What the heck? How did that happen? Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody prayed for me. Nothing tangible that I could see was going on other than the atmosphere was charged. And it was conducive to not hinder miracles from taking place. There was so much faith in that room that you could not help but experience a miracle. Now I want to tell you a story here, but it's a true story. I went to Uganda about six years ago. Uganda's in Africa, for those of you that don't know geography. Oh, wait a minute, I'm not in California. You guys actually have home schools and good schools here. Okay. Um, you'd be surprised at the kids that have no comprehension, uh, comprehension at all of geography. So, in Uganda, they have their main mode of transportation is boda bodas, they call them. And they're like little motorcycle scooters. And it's the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. Because you'll see families of five and six on this little tiny scooter bike. Not even a motorcycle. It's a scooter bike. And one time when I was there, I look out and I see this guy, he's got like three kids on this bike and, and two of them are holding up a couch. I, 
guess they were taking it to their house that they had bought. So they, that's their main, they, there are cars, but they're few and far between because they're expensive. The thing I noticed in Uganda, more than anything, was the attitude of the people. They were happy. They had nothing. They had nothing. We have no comprehension in this nation of what having nothing is. Most of them had dirt floors. Most of them did not have electricity. Most of them definitely did not have indoor plumbing. You would see, it was like going back in, in time, 2,000 years. You'd see women carrying these big water pots, you know, that had to weigh a ton, walking clear to a river or a stream somewhere to get water for their family. But yet, the one thing that struck me is I saw so much joy, so much laughing, so much singing, so much dancing. It was incredible, not just in the congregations there, but on the streets. They are such happy people for the most part. It was life-altering and changing for me. I'm telling you all this because there was a pastor there that I spoke at, at his congregation, and it was huge. It was probably like 3,000 people there. And he wanted to introduce me. He was really proud to introduce me to several people that had been resurrected from the dead. Crazy, right? This one little boy, the reason I told, tell you the story of the boat of Bodas, was rigor mortis had already set in by the time his father had gotten him, loaded him up on the back of a boda boda, and traveled three hours after he died to this congregation because he heard that miracles happened there. He was so stiff that it was even hard to get him, you know, laid, laid out flat. So they, they were going to pray for him. He came back to life. And because of the rigor mortis, he had to, they had to work with his muscles because they had already atrophied and everything. But he came back to life. And I'm like, and I got to meet this kid. And I got to meet his parents, or his, his dad. I think his mother had died of uh, AIDS. There's a lot of that that happens there. But here's what the pastor said that forever changed the way I look at things now. He said to me, my job is to pray. The Lord will do what the Lord will do. And he says, but my job is to pray. And he says, so I make it a rule at my congregation that if anybody dies, you do not bury them until we pray. And he said, some of them come back, a lot of them don't. He goes, that's not my business, that's his. And I was like, whoa, I never saw this much faith in the United States of America. That's why we don't see so much miracles in the United States of America. Do we have that kind of faith that we're willing to look foolish, to look stupid, to pray for a dead person? It's not our business if, they, if God brings them back to life or not. That's his business. But we have a commission and we have a job. And I just, I've never forgotten that pastor.
that said, it didn't matter if they didn't come back. It didn't sway his faith at all in the ability of the king. He just knew the king has king's business. How do you think, how do we think that 12 people turned the world upside down? It wasn't because, you know, I, I've been to a lot of congregations, and this isn't true here, but I'm just saying. And most of the people sitting there look like their faces have been sucked through a pipe. And that would be a long face in case you need an interpretation. And you're wondering, why? I mean, here's a new person comes in and they look at that and they're going, oh yeah, I want to be like him. No. No. Religiosity kills. Re religiosity kills. Thank you for giving the Lord a hand clap. The, the, uh, i got to read this, okay? I, I just want to read. Acts 12, 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison. The constant prayer was offered to him by the congregation. Constant prayer. Some translations read, prayer without ceasing. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. But preceding that, preceding that, there was constant prayer. All night, prayer for Peter because they heard he got arrested and they were going to kill him. When's the last time we laid on our faces as a congregation of people all night long to pray for somebody? I know I haven't, and I'm sad to say that, but we've got to change. I believe that we are right now entering into the greatest time of change that we've ever experienced. We got this Hebraic understanding because of the Spirit of God. And I have a theory about that. Okay, we got this Hebraic understanding, but I don't think we were supposed to stop believing in signs, wonders, and miracles following those who believe. What happened? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for this fresh outpouring that it speaks about in Joel, where he pours out his spirit on all flesh. And he is sovereign, and he can do that. But it's up to us to get the ball rolling. If we keep shutting down the Holy Spirit, it, I, I liken it to this. Somebody that prays, they've got diabetes. And I know a lot of people do, so I'm not saying that in a negative connotation. They have diabetes, they pray for a cure. And they get it. And then they go right back to the lifestyle that gave them diabetes to begin with. You know, dozen donuts for breakfast, you know, whatever it is. 
Well, is the Lord, you think, going to keep healing them? If you had a child that you did these great things for and they trashed everything you did for them, are you going to keep giving? I know we're not in the same position as God is, but why would he? Why would he? If we can't believe every great revival that's ever happened has come through prayer, prayer, prayer without ceasing, humility, a humbleness. And we have been, I think, personally, and you can, you know, I'm going to keep moving so there's no shoes thrown at me. But I think we have been worshiping at the wrong altar. I, I believe we've been worshiping at the altar of knowledge. And when I say that, I'm not saying it that there's anything wrong with knowledge. Oh my gosh, when, we, when I first came into this Hebraic understanding, I was up 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, i got to check this out, make sure this is really so, am I really hearing from you, the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's who gave us this movement. When you get people waking up in, in Asia and all these places and go, hey, I don't think for, I think forever means forever. I think we're supposed to keep the Sabbath. I think we're supposed to keep the festivals, you know. And there's no big guru who's leading everybody or broadcasting anything. It's all by the Spirit of God. He wants to continue to move through his people. But what happens is, just like the difference between Uganda and the United States, what happens is, is we get all caught up in ourselves and now we're way too smart to believe in miracles. That kind of stuff was in the church. Oh, okay. We tend to want to burn the bridges that got us to where we're at. And that's not God's plan. I believe we know the Torah to keep us moving and flowing in the Spirit, but to do it in order. We're not rolling, I haven't seen anybody rolling up and down the aisles. I don't think it would happen in a Messianic congregation because Torah would tell us differently. I've been in some of these movements. I've seen people docking, barking like dogs and saying that was the Holy Spirit came on me and I started barking like a dog. Well, that was a spirit, but it was not the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, you know the character of God because you study Torah. So I believe this next outpouring of the Spirit is going to be so phenomenal and so great, but we're going to have order to it. We're not going to have all the flakiness that we've seen in the past. Amen? It's time, people. It is time for change. It is time for a fresh outpouring. My prayer is that God just fill this temple with the train of your robe so that the glory fills here. And then I bring that glory into the congregation. You bring that glory into the congregation. And when we're all in here together, there is power. There is power. And I believe we're close. I believe we're so close. Acts 16. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, 
and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. What happened? They were praying and singing psalms. Woohoo! Right? Come on. It's quiet in this little old Presbyterian church. They created an atmosphere that was conducive to miracles. So therefore, miracles happened. What do we do? How many of us would be whipped, which Paul and Silas were, beaten, flogged, thrown in prison, and we'd be sitting there singing, Hallelujah, glory to God. You know, oh, I'm going to sing this psalm. I'm going to sing about my Redeemer. You know, No, we'd be sitting there, why did this happen to me? What did I do wrong? Why, why is this, this bad thing? I love God. This should not be happening to me. I'm a good person. They didn't say any of that. And there was no one more learned than Paul. They even thought he was nuts from much, much learning and knowledge. They thought he was crazy, some people. So knowledge should not stop the move of the Spirit. But attitude will. Atmosphere will. In verse 12, it reads, And through the hands of the apostles, okay, here we go, many signs, wonders, and miracles were done among the people. And they were all with one accord on Solomon's porch. One accord. I don't see a lot of one accord in the Messianic movement. And one accord doesn't mean you have to agree. I mean, the husbands and wives, do you always agree with your spouse? I doubt it. Oh, yeah, well, you know what's good for you, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we're not always in agreement, but you should be in one accord. You're part of the same kingdom. You're part of the same household, the same family. Families allow for disagreements. I know it's hard for you guys to believe, but not everybody agrees with me. Right? Sometimes I evoke mixed emotions in people. Do you know what the definition of mixed emotion is? Watching your mother-in-law drive off a cliff in your new BMW. <laughs> I was checking to see if Daniel was going to laugh. I thought I saw Mike laughing. Okay. Those are my son-in-laws, by the way, who are great. I've got the greatest son-in-laws ever. Okay. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. Multitudes of men and women were added so that they brought the sick. Imagine this. Brought the sick out laid him on the street just in the hopes that Peter might pass by and his shadow would fall on them and they'd be healed. 
okay? Could you imagine your parking lot full of bodies out here hoping that one of you guys would walk by and your shadow would fall on them and they'd be healed? Because those are the kind of signs, wonders, and miracles that Yeshua himself said. Okay, so I know this is all New Testament stuff. Let's go to see what Moses said in Numbers 11.29. He had these guys coming to him and they're going, Moses! These guys are going through the camp and they're prophesying. Make them stop. And here's what Moses said. Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. God's desire is to put his spirit upon us in the Hebraic understanding. His spirit that we listen to and move with. Paul listened. Yeshua had the same problem. Squashing the move of the spirit is an age-old tradition. Those guys tried to squash the move of the spirit in the camp in Israel, in the wilderness. So it's nothing new. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, Herod, all resisted the spirit. Not all the uh, Pharisees, but a large percentage of the religious Pharisees rejected signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, we have an, a choice. We can land in the camp of those who believe in signs, wonders, and miracles and create an atmosphere for that to happen. Or we can rest in a camp where nothing ever happens. The camp of the Pharisees. Where all it's about is, did you pronounce the name right? You know, I think Yeshua, being king of this kingdom, should be the one that we go to to see how the kingdom is supposed to operate. When we want to see how the kingdom operates, where else do you go but to the king, right? Okay, so in John 14, 12... It says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What's he saying? It's an atmosphere that we create. What if this whole city came alive and said, man, I've seen, I met this person that goes to HFF and they got healed of this and this happened and that happened, you know, and people start f flooding in like they did. The first century, the first century believers turned the world upside down. Now I want to ask you this real quickly. Am I getting ready to get the hook? I'm not watching time. Okay. Uh, if I am, just somebody wave at me. Uh, 
Let me ask you this question. Who is more messianic than Yeshua? Uh, he's the Messiah, so he's pretty messianic. I have literally heard people say that, oh, that, you know, the moves of the Spirit and all this kind of stuff, that was the church. I'm messianic now. Well, I just read what the king of all messianics, because he is a Messiah, said. He said, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works will he, they do. That's what his desire is. What's our desire? I think we're so, in America, we're so worried about how I look that we're, we're afraid. I think it's interesting for all you Hebrew scholars, which I am not one of them, but I do know a little bit of Hebrew. Melech, as many of you know, is king. And it's in the male masculine. Mamlaka is the feminine, which is the kingdom. Which makes sense that the king is over a kingdom that could also be called his bride. It's the feminine gender. We are the kingdom of God. He's the king, we're the kingdom. Real simple stuff, you know. This is not rocket science. We should be able to do this and figure it out. He healed. He set captives free. He did all of these great and mighty and awesome, powerful things. And he called upon his bride, all of us, to do the same thing. If we're worshiping at the wrong altar, if we're worshiping at the altar of knowledge and we're rejecting the spirit, something's wrong with that. There's a balance. Knowledge is good. It's important to follow the commandments of God. We all know that. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to read this scripture from Acts 7, verse 36. It's quoted here, He brought them out, talking about Moses, after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. Signs and wonders has always accompanied the priests of God. As a bride, we are priests. We should be a kingdom of priests, right? A holy nation. We should move and operate in signs and wonders and miracles. Because before the great and terrible day, let's go back to Joel again. He wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Kids, boys, girls, men, women. And his desire is for us to be his partner. I, I, I'm going to tell you a little story real quickly. One time I was 
and this is not too long ago. I was sitting in a restaurant, and this is our flesh. This is our American flesh, right? I'm sitting in a restaurant with a girlfriend. We went to have lunch, and I look across the in, the, in a booth there. There's this young woman in her early 20s, I would guess, sitting there, and she's writing something. I don't know what she's writing. And the father spoke to me and told me, he says, go tell her that I'm about to restore everything in her life. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, I in a restaurant? I don't know this person. You want me to go over there and tell her? Oh, and, 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 uh, 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 and also coupled with, he said, tell her what she's been asking for, I'm going to give her. And I sat there and argued with God for 15 minutes. I'm like, I can't. I don't want Because my flesh, what if she thinks I'm an idiot? What if, what if she thinks I'm a nut job? You know, what if she doesn't even believe in God? You know, you know how all these scenarios run through your mind, you know, constantly? That's what I was doing. I was sitting there and sitting there. Finally, I thought, I better do it. I better do it because he's not, he wouldn't leave me alone. You know, God ever done that to you? Yeah, the Lord just won't, just, you got to do this, you got to do this. So I got up and, and with my flesh, and this is all flesh, so I'm telling on myself. I reached him because I had a business card in my pocket. I'm like, um, because I wanted her to know I was a psychologist and not just a nut job. Little does she know most psychologists are nut jobs, but most people don't know that. So I hand her my card and and I say to her, I don't normally do this because I'm a therapist, really, you know. But I felt like God told me to tell you something. And she's just looking up at me like, what in the world? And so I just shared. She immediately broke down and started crying. Her husband had left her. She was there filling out an application for a job. And God said what she'd been asking for, he was going to give her. And he was going to restore her family. He was bringing restoration. Had I not been obedient to that, God is sovereign. I'm sure he would have brought somebody else along to do that. But the joy that I felt knowing that God had used me in this totally special way, not that I'm special, because I'm not. None of us are. But he is. And he has love and compassion for people. But he needs a vessel to operate through. And he's called us to be that vessel. He's called us. You know, I don't know why. Sometimes I have literally asked God, I don't know why you've chosen me for some of the things you've asked me to do. Why? I wouldn't choose me. You know? It's like, why? And yet, the hair's on our head are numbered by him. He cares for us. The minutest detail of our lives. Now I want to share something that maybe for your consideration, maybe you haven't thought of it.
But you know, the king gave parables, and I'm going to close with this. One of the parables was the Samaritans. And he used this parable of the Good Samaritan to, I believe, show us that all of the people that knew Torah walked right by this poor guy that had been beaten and robbed and was laying in the street. They even crossed the road on the other side, probably going to temple. There were scribes, there were Pharisees, there were all kinds of guys walking by. They knew Torah better than anybody else. But what did God do in this parable? And I realize it's a parable. But parables have an element of truth or Yeshua wouldn't have used them. He said, who really is my brother? But him that does the work of God. Now the Samaritans had everything wrong. The wrong place to worship. They blotted out anything that said Jerusalem in the Torah. They, they worshipped at this altar of, that wasn't even God's altar. <sighs> Sounds kind of like the church, doesn't it? God will use the Samaritan over us if we are not available. My prayer is that we become available. I like one time I heard this really wise young guy say, he, he did not say, come my good and faithful student and sit at my right hand. He said, come those that have visited me in prison, those that have clothed me when I was naked those that have done those kind of things. We need to wake up and get on the right side. We need to worship at His altar. We need to pray and we need to create the atmosphere for change and healing. Amen. Thank you guys. Amen. If we could all rise, please. And the Lord spoke in a motion and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Shalom. 
Mashiach, Yeshua Mashiach, Sarcha Shalom, Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom. We're turning over every stone Hoping to find salvation In a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom